it's not a JPEG. The, the, the JPEG is one component of a whole bunch of things that exist like on a token that lives on the blockchain. We imagine a future where people are engaging with their books in a really different way because of what you can do when something is tokenized. Happy Wednesday and welcome to Not Boring Founders. I'm your host, Patrick Cormick, and this is a podcast where we talk to the founders building the future. Today, we have not one, but two pseudonymous founders from Tally Labs, which is better known for Jenkins the Valet, Safa and Valet Jones. This is a really fun conversation about something close to my heart, storytelling. In particular, this one's about decentralized storytelling, a new movement happening in Web3 that combines the best of kind of centralized storytelling with community involvement. So you have this kind of backbone of the story created by professional storytellers and the people behind the project, and then outlets for the community to allow all this fun, emergent stuff to happen in the storytelling. Tally just raised a big round led by Andreessen Horowitz in which Not Boring Capital participated. And after this conversation, I hope you'll see why I'm so excited about it. Decentralized storytelling, I think, is one of those ideas that fits the Chris Dixon saying that the next big thing will start out looking like a toy. But before we get there, I want to say thanks to the presenting sponsors of all of season two of Not Boring Founders, a crypto project that no longer looks like a toy. Ladies and gentlemen, that's right. That is FTX US. FTX is a powerhouse in crypto. It started out as the best trading platform for professionals, and it's expanded into all sorts of things. Now they have one of the best venture arms in all of crypto. They just recently added stock trading in the US, so you can buy stocks right alongside crypto like Ethereum, Bitcoin, and Solana. And of course, they're the makers of the FTX app. The FTX app is the best place for people like you and I to buy crypto, NFTs, and now even stocks with no fees. You can use a crypto debit card, track your entire crypto portfolio, and even get important news updates on your portfolio, which right now you might want to turn off, but what you might want to turn on is the dollar cost averaging strategy that you can use to auto buy no matter what the market conditions are. Just close your eyes, set the dollar cost averaging, and buy little amounts of crypto no matter what the price is. It's also cheaper than any other cryptocurrency exchange. There's no fixed minimum fee on transactions, no ACH or transaction fees, and no withdrawal fees. But instead of just listening to me, you should try it for yourself. You can go to your app store of choice, download the FTX app, and enter the code NOTBORING for a free coin when you trade $10 worth. Or you can just click on the FTX link in the show notes to have it all done for you. That's right. It'll automatically enter the code NOTBORING, get you set up so that you get that free coin when you trade $10 worth of crypto. It's the best, cheapest way to trade crypto. And it's also the best way to say thank you to FTX US for sponsoring conversations like this one with Safa and Valet Jones from Tally Labs. Let's get to it. Safa, Valet Jones, welcome to Not Boring Founders. Great to have you here. Thank you so much. Good to be here. We're pumped. So normally I start with what the world looks like in 10 years if you're successful. I think for this one, I'm going to need you to explain your whole universe, what Tally Labs does, how that's related to the Jenkins of LA character and the book that's coming out. What does your universe look like? I can appreciate the question because boy, is it nuanced. Before we even get into like what Tally Labs is, I feel like it's sort of important to talk about who Jenkins of LA is because for most people who, who know Tally, they know Tally through Jenkins. Jenkins is a character who was born on the blockchain. And in, in the simplest way like that, that's, that's how we can describe it. Safa and I noticed 
actually a year ago today, this is fun for recording. A year ago today was, was Jenkins's first story. And we noticed that, that there were all these people out there who were using NFTs as their own profile picture. So they were using avatars, but it would be like uh, Packy McCormick with a CryptoPunk or with a Bored Ape, you being you, it's just that your profile picture sort of suggested something about you, that you believed in the future of Web3, you believed in, in a word that I still really have trouble saying, pseudonymity, and, and I think I nailed it. And we noticed that no one yet had created like an independent character a character out of an NFT avatar that wasn't either of us. They were their own thing. And so we sought out an NFT avatar who looked like they had a story to tell. And, and fortunately for us, we found Ape 1798 on the secondary market. And, and that is the Ape, the board Ape that people now know as Jenkins of LA. Ape, what did we, 1798 yeah, cost you when you bought it? Less than $1,000. So I don't know, maybe point point four ETH, I think, and 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 ETH, I don't remember what it was at at the time, probably around maybe ETH was like two thousand or something like that. It felt crazy. I mean, we've both been in crypto for quite some time, but like still spending ETH or or converting USD right into ETH to buy an NFT, even back in May of twenty twenty one, like seemed like I felt sick about it. I mean, it. it Still, though, it might be the highest ROI investment ever because I know everybody's been saying that about kind of board apes generally. And then you get the land and the mutants and like all these and the ape tokens and all these things that come with owning an ape. But then you get a company out of it. Has anybody else built a company off the back of their their board ape? Packy was point point four six five two ETH to steal. Yeah, we should have bought a hundred of them. Yeah, yeah. We always we do say though, if you if you want to really reap the benefits, like from a liquidity standpoint of the the monster returns that, that came with the board ape yacht club don't start a company around your ape because jenkins is is the most illiquid ape that you could possibly <laughs> ever stumble upon but we would take this outcome 10 times out of 10 for sure and i think there are some other people that are doing some really fun stuff around their apes as well for sure like we're obviously not not the only one but we've we've really doubled down on it and then the one other thing to add is, is not only do we get a company out of it but but it's a company where your co-founder is your childhood best friend. Safa and I have known each other since we were seven years old. And so we've always been doing stuff together, always figuring out like what, what fun things are out there, how we can partner on different stuff and uh, buying a board ape, naming it, giving it a story and having it become this is like, you know, I think beyond like both of our wildest imaginations. I mean, not even wildest imaginations now, but like, even if you told yourself when you're seven, that like one day you guys are going to grow up. <laughs> work together, own a picture of a monkey on the internet that then like turns into this company that helps you tell stories with community. Like even a seven-year-old wouldn't believe that. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of things that would have needed to happen in between those two that like, I don't think any human on earth could have even conceived would happen to then be able to grasp how fun this is for us. You know, totally. totally. It's, it's incredible. Okay. So, so you have, you have this character. Yeah. Walk us and through we, kind of everything from there. Totally. And so for us, it's like, who, how do you go from a JPEG to a character? We did a couple of things. We named him. We gave him a job. He's the head valet at the Board Ape Yacht Club. And then we put him into to a scene that, that, you know, would describe who he is, what he values, what he cares about, where he comes from. And I think the thing that, that at the time that we posted this first story, we had about 30 followers on the Jenkins of LA account. It was, it was a Twitter account that Safa and I just shared credentials on to, to follow like everybody we wanted to follow in web three to learn more. We knew that like, it just felt that there was this amazing stuff that was happening. There was so much creativity 
there were all of these smart people, Packy McCormick were writing about it. Like, seriously, though, it was, you know, we, we saw it and we were like, wow, there's, there's really something special here. And so we had this Twitter account and, you know, we made Jenkins the profile picture and we posted the story and the story goes that Jenkins' mom cried when he got his job at the Ape Yacht Club as a valet because it was such a big deal. I think he was the first ape in his family to ever even like be employed. And he thought he was just going to be docking boats. But little did he know that actually the role of a valet is like way more nuanced. There were all of these like prominent apes bored out of their minds who were doing all sorts of odd jobs. He needed to hold private keys. He, he did, you know, hits. He snuck non-members into the club, like you name it. So I, I have a creative writing background. I, I wrote like a couple hundred words about Jenkins. I sent it to Safa. He was so smart. He tied the whole thing into current events too. And some of them were not even that major, but like the one that comes to mind is, I think I said at some point, you know, there weren't like a ton of job opportunities for apes. And so getting the job as valet was a big deal. And, and Safa, like so smooth, he says there weren't an open sea of opportunities. And so we would do these things where we would drop little nuggets of like things in the space or what was going on. And we posted the story and it went sort of, I don't know, Safa, do you remember like, like the, how many impressions it did or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, looking back, it's funny because we've been fortunate enough to grow this character, but at the time it felt like, you know, the craziest thing in the world. I think it was probably like 60,000 impressions or something. But if you compare that to the amount of followers at the time, for sure, like with 30, at 30 followers, it was, it was incredible. So is this like yeah. just everybody in the board Ape community is seeing this and loving it? Or yeah. like, is it going outside the walls? How's, how's that spread up? I think it was pretty self-contained for like a really long time, at least until, honestly, I think until like our mint where, where, you know, additional folks had the opportunity to come in and it was sort of a cheaper point of entry to, to quote unquote, get access to something within the BAYC ecosystem. But yeah, for the first like couple of weeks, a couple months, it felt like we were really just telling stories about apes for apes sort of in this, in this sort of ape like eco chamber. Fast forward to now, I think actually the vast majority of our community are, are not ape owners, which is really, really fun. But obviously we'll, we'll get to this later, but we've created ways for them to interact with the ape community. Yeah, I'm excited to be involved without needing to now pony up. I know, I know the question, Packy, was basically like to talk about what Tally Labs is. And and so we we wrote the story as Jenkins and, and really one of the keys was that Jenkins was positioned as a valet at the Board Ape Yacht Club. As a valet, he saw these things, he did things. There was nothing he wouldn't do for like a patron. And that was an invitation for anybody else who had an avatar to write into us. The next day we posted a form. They could fill out a form where they told us about their avatar. And then Jenkins would write stories about like, sort of with like a nod and a wink, like, hey, remind me of what I did for you at the club and I'll bring your character to life by telling a story about like one of the things that we did together. And so for the next like six weeks, we both had full-time jobs, like work would end and then we would just like hustle and like write stories for other ape owners. And each one sort of did as well or better than the one that came before it. And so we had this hypothesis when we bought Jenkins of LA, which was that like characters could be born on the blockchain. And through the stories of telling you know, what was happening with other apes and those continued to like perform well on social. We were like, wow, this really is true. Like there is a space for characters to originate as NFTs and then end up like being like really compelling individuals or like just fit into scenes in really fun ways. And so at some point we looked at each other and we were like, the stories are going really well. Hundreds of people have written in asking us to tell a story for their character, but how can we do something that's like more scalable? And it gives the community like even more of an opportunity to participate because at the time it was just like, if I was an ape owner, I could fill out a form, submit some information and Jenkins read a store in 
And so through that, we, we came up with our NFT project, which is also our software platform that we call the Writer's Room. Okay, so pause here. So how many people do you think are, are following kind of Jenkins when you come up with the idea to do the Writer's Room? How do you jump from 100 people kind of writing in or hundreds of people writing in asking to, to tell their story to we're going to build a software platform here? It seems like a big leap to make. Like, what were the things that you saw there? Was it just the following and the magic and you're like not thinking very much because you know, like everything is kind of happening really fast or was there some hole in the market that you saw when you decided to build software and, and do the NFT project? I think anytime a creator sells a project, they're terrified that like the audience isn't there and that like people won't buy it. And maybe you feel this way, like when you release episodes or newsletters back you, but I think we were certainly nervous about that. Looking back, we had a really awesome community and we had grown it very deliberately and, and intentionally. And so I think it was, it was sort of the perfect time, but I think to speak like concretely, we probably had like 10,000 10, followers on Twitter, like 10 to 15,000 followers, a couple thousand people in like our Discord, but just had built like a really fun community based off of, of storytelling sort of within, within the NFT space and ultimately felt that it had reached like enough of a critical mass that when we put stuff out, people like would want to sort of interact with it. And we felt like the concept was pretty novel as well, that even if there was folks who didn't follow Jenkins, that that, that would resonate with them. And we also, around that time, brought on like an incredible group of advisors who all had like really awesome followings within the space. And I think they they also shared what we were doing. And I think that did wonders for us as well as like exposing us to their audience. It's funny to it's funny to think back about that time leading up to like thinking and brainstorming together and coming up with this concept for this like software platform called the Writer's Room where everyone collaborated on like writing Jenkins's tell all. That was that was one key of his first story was that he'd done all these odd jobs. Now demand for the Board API Club had grown so much and and it had grown to like, you know, half an ETH or something. So fictitiously Jenkins had had offers in his DMs to spill all the beans. And so this book that we're writing with Neil Strauss with the community is like Jenkins's biggest tale yet. We looked at each other and we were like, if we want the community to come in and support Jenkins on his biggest story yet, are there tools that we need to build ourselves or is, is there stuff that sort of can work out of the box? And, and ultimately we decided that we would need our own software. But it's crazy to think back that like that's where we landed. I mean, th thankfully we did. For us, like it was always just something fun to do. We would have done it, like even if it wasn't going to go anywhere. And I actually think that's something that's really special about the business that we're building is like, there's no day where I wouldn't do like, we would do it for free, for sure. It's, and so it was easy to say yes to building the software because like, why not? You glossed over something a little awesome there, which is that you're co-writing a book with Neil Strauss and the community. Like, how did that come about? Who is Neil Strauss for people who, who don't know Neil Strauss? What does it look like to write a book with one of the world's best and most famous authors and then a bunch of other people? How, how does that work? To Vijay's point, I don't know that this could happen without a software platform. Ultimately, like creative work is sort of it's subjective and there can be, if, if like the right systems aren't put in place, there can be a lot of voices that are sort of chiming in. And so I think the software platform is a way to distill awesome creative from individual members of the community and like let the best stuff rise. So, so that has made it really possible. We also knew like building that every creator that we worked with, in this case, it's Neil, would sort of have their own way that they like to work and, and, and want to use it certain ways, want to not use it in others. Neil's been like incredible to work with. You asked who he is. He, uh, 10 time New York times bestseller has written a number of books. Most recently has sort of transitioned into like the memoir genre as VJ mentioned. And so has wrote memoirs for folks like Joe Jonas, Kevin Hart, Marilyn Manson, 
Rick Rubin, like really awesome folks. And what, what sold us was that when we first met with him, one, he had just been like really deep in the space for a while and totally understood what we were going for with like community generative content. But from the minute we met him was treating the Jenkins character as like a, a memoir subject and was treating him and was asking the same questions that he would ask these other folks and like, yeah, got it, you know, in the truest sense of the word. And we got connected to him through one of our advisors, G Money, who's obviously super well-respected in the space. He introduced us to Neil and then our agents at CAA were able to, to come in and sort of take everything. So many casual drops here, our agents at CAA. How does yeah. that one come about? And what does that look it, like? I mean, all of these things, it's like there's a lesson here somewhere because any one of these things like would have blown my mind a year ago today with that first Jenkins story. Like, I can't believe it. I, I it's, it, 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 but now, you know, it is, it's like, it's how it goes, I guess, is we, we've, you know, you, some time passes and it's just like what you do. And so having an opportunity like this to tell the story from the beginning and, and like, look back on, uh, on where we've come is like incredible. And I think the whole community feels that way too, which is really fun because they, have been with us since, you know, it was just like a small, like we were posting screenshots on Twitter to, to, you know, now getting help from CIA, but after our mint, so, so the writer's room was this NFT project that we brought to market. Folks could admit they weren't PFPs. They, they were all valet motifs. They're valet tickets, yacht keys, valet stands and yachts. And they basically are, it's like a membership or it gets you access into this virtual writer's room. We named it the writer's room because notoriously they're really hard to break into. Uh, and we wanted to like bring anybody in who wanted to participate any type of like creative sort of input into what we were making. And right after we, we sold out, like Safa said, we thought that we were nervous. We were putting this thing out there. We were like, what if we're doing all of this stuff and no one shows up? I was you know, we were talking the day of the man, I was like, look, like Punk's comic took like a couple of weeks to sell out. And like, they are obviously like, you know, an icon in the space. So we were trying to wrap our heads around the fact that like, you know, some of these things, like they don't go right away. And uh, we sold out in six minutes that night before we even realized it was over, it was over. And we looked at each other and we were like, we got to go get an author. Like Jenkins's tell all has to be told by somebody great. And so we, we just, but we don't know how to get an author. And so we did what we know how to do, which was just like hustle. We made a spreadsheet. I think I think we called the spreadsheet stuff. I think it was the greatest living authors. And it was just like a long list of authors. And we we reached out to like any way we could find an email, literary agents directly to them, all these things. I'd say 98% didn't respond. And then the 2% who did respond gave us sort of varying degrees of like, no. Some were super polite no's. Some were like straight up, like you all seem like you're idiots. And we were emailing like from Jenkins, the valet. So they're getting an email from like a picture of a monkey in a valet outfit being like, I, I write my tell all like, like, of course they're sort of responding. Like we're crazy. We looked at each other and we were like, we're not going to stop. We're going to find an author, but we need to like reevaluate sort of the approach to sourcing them. And then like, right when we were trying to sort of decide, like, like, what do we do next? Someone wrote back and they said, bring me an offer. And, and that was when we like, we really looked at each other because we were like, all right, we're not sure we know how to find one. And now that we did find one, what's an offer? And so we networked into CAA through a mutual connection to basically just pick their brains. And I think that there is a bit of a saying, right? Like ask for money, get advice, ask for advice, get money. Yeah, we, we, just, we asked for advice and, and credit to CAA. They saw a vision for what NFTs could do sort of throughout the entire entertainment space 
And they said, look, we can absolutely let you know, like what goes into, to a book offer, but we think that there are ways that we can help you like even beyond that. Uh, and we've been working with them ever since we, the team at CIA has expanded to be not just literary, but also animation podcasts, sort of just like general representation across, you know, speaking or, or brand deals and things like that. And they, every step of the way, I think we have found them to be just like incredible and thoughtful partners that, that really, I think, understand what Web3 can be about. And they just came in on the round, which is, which is super exciting. I think just really reflects the, the belief that they have. Damn, here we go again. So another, another incredible thing that we have not yet discussed, the hits keep on coming. $12 million seed round, not boring capital participated alongside, you know, our contemporaries like CAA and A16Z and the like. Tell me about the round. How did that come together? It was a process for sure. It was like, it was a smooth process, but it was a process. We, we started the process in, in January, which I think is, is, is one thing that we were super clear to our community about is that the timing is really interesting and that the market's not in a great spot right now, but we didn't see that. And then just immediately decided to like graze out of desperation, which I think is important to note. So we knew that we wanted incredible partners across crypto, web three, entertainment, sports, all of that. We knew that at least in the crypto space, raising funds is not there. There's a lot of capital out there, but I think getting capital from the right folks is really important. And like, that was our goal from the beginning. We knew that if, if like we couldn't do that, it, you know, wasn't necessarily something that we, we wanted to do. It was about a four month process from start to finish, probably, you know, hundred plus calls with, with various leads, follow-ons, et cetera. And I think it was really fun. It was, it was a learning experience. Neither of us had, had gone through the fundraising process before on the, on the founder side, but it also was like draining a little bit and, and, you know, can take you away from like running your business. Now we're really excited to get back to work. We have some awesome partners behind us. We have some, some money in the bank that we can use to scale and, and build the team and, and continue to create awesome experiences. So all in all, we're super excited. What does the process look like? You, you have the kind of like Coachella announcement uh, of the names on the list. And it's like Will Smith, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, Penny Dry Capital, which I believe is Steph Curry. I have always wondered this because I've not been in a pitch with, with these guys. Like when you're getting an investment from them, is it them? Is it them and their team? Is it just their team? Like how does that process work? Yeah, it, it depends. Everybody sort of like runs a, a different process on their side. We met some of those names directly. It's just like us and them. They think about all of their investments. In some cases, they manage their own money. Like, like it's just, uh, it's a conversation with sort of like a celebrity, just like it would be like any other angel investor who's really hands-on. In other cases, there's a whole bunch of infrastructure. They've got, you know, business managers or people who lead funds for them. In some cases, like with Dreamers BC, which is Will Smith's fund, there are a number of employees that work for Dreamers and they really are, they really are a fund that he participates in like as a GP, but also just like is, you know, I think includes some of his capital as well. And so there's really like a, like a large spectrum from being on a call with someone and being like, that's one of those moments where you're like, is, are we really talking about like Jenkins the ballet with this like person who, yeah. who like I grew up watching or something all, all the way to, to it being like a bit more formal and you're, and you're talking to a firm just like anybody else. Got it. That makes sense. So, all right. So now you have this money in the bank. We are entering or in or whatever you want to say, a deep bear market, a recession, whatever it is, what is building in this look like? And we're now finally going to get back to the question of what you are building. Yeah. I think building in it is, is uh, to some folks like 
a little scary, which is super normal. I think we're, we're like really excited by it. We, we sort of relish in it. I think that there will be a lot of, and I, and I hope this isn't the case, but I think there will be a lot of folks who, who probably can continue to operate through this downturn, either due to not having enough of a balance sheet or purchasing habits, slowing down on the community side and, and depending on, on their community for, for revenue that might not be there. We have the luxury and the privilege of being able to, to free our minds of, of where is the next dollar coming from and really think about how can we build like a really solid foundation with like amazing team members and a really clear vision. And so for us, that's, that's what we're really excited about. Obviously we have some, some awesome drops coming up that we do think will, will be awesome. And, and we think that are going to be great for, for the community and for the space at large, but we are like being laser sort of precise about our runway. And we have awesome partners on the venture side who are, who are working through that with us and making sure that we're double, triple, quadruple checking every assumption and, and are able to operate like no matter how long this lasts. And Shout out to A16Z crypto our friends over there. I mean, they are just like unbelievably thorough and, and good at this stuff and obviously supported through bear markets. I'm an advisor there. So paid to say that, but also genuinely like every time I interact with them, super, super impressed. So definitely a partner to have at your side when totally. you're building software, which is amazing segue. That's what you expect from not boring <laughs> studio. They pay me the big bucks. Uh-huh. Exactly. We, so, so we talked a lot about Jenkins. We talked about his story. We talked about Neil and we talked about this desire to like have the community do it with us. And so the first iteration of the writer's room had sort of three like key features to it. The first was that anybody who had a writer's room NFT could get access to our web app and could vote on proposals that Neil brought forth. So it was a lot like a Twitter poll for, for people who are familiar with that, like UX. Neil would have a series of questions that be world building questions, or they would be genre defining or plot defining. One that I, one that I know off the top of my head is sort of why is Jenkins telling this story? And, you know, one answer was that he was in trouble with the law. One was that he had a bad debt. One was that he became convinced that the fate of the board API club was in his hands. There was a number of them. And and ultimately, the community voted and decided that Jenkins had become convinced that the fate of the Yacht Club was in his hands. And that sets the stage for so much of what Neil is going to write. The way the creative is like executed is entirely up to Neil. He's the writer. He's amazing. But the community sets these rails for him that are like really fun constraints to work within. The, the other thing that the community can do is that they could create their own characters. So they have avatars just like Ape1798. They can name them. They can turn them into to whatever roles that they think they deserve. And they actually had the ability to answer a survey that Neil wrote that are the first questions that he asked to any of his subjects turned into sort of like the board ape version. And then after they did that, they could license the characters to appear in the work. So they literally like in our portal signed licensing agreements to give Tally Labs the right to use the characters in the work in exchange for 50% of net profits that we make from, from the book, from sales of the NFT, from sales of a physical book, like anything like that. And so it was like this groundwork for our specific use case for how community generated content could be made. From here, we're going to keep doing it. We have a podcast that we recently announced with Salt Audio. We're bringing our own world to market called Azurbala, which certainly will have content that comes off of it and we'll go through the writer's room. But we also have a vision of like a fully decentralized content creation platform where Tally Labs is one of many creators that, that use the software. And the key for us though, every step of the way is, is how does value like accrue back to, to our core Genesis writers room holders. And that that's value in, in a number of different ways, right? Like 
they are the ones who are here today. How do we build with them? How do we build in a way where like it is the it is the community's vision for what gets made? Because we believe that like that is actually the best way to do it. There are all these ways that are like an abstraction away from building with your users in real life. You focus groups, user research, all these things. It's way better to just do it like straight up with them. And so a lot of what we're building is focused on like how do we actually take like the the identity and the values and the input from the community and directly put that into the software that we build and the content that we make. That's a great answer because you gave me, I think, 16 different directions to go in. The first of which <laughs> is, as a writer, super curious, Neil asking these questions in sequential order. Is his process that he's thinking through the story and each time he's like asking a question and then he like moves on to the next thing? Or is it like more modular or more linear the way that he's, he's building this story? I think the beauty of the platform is it can be tailor-made based on, on who the partner is, right? Like some folks may choose to ask a couple questions, right? Neil chose to focus really heavily like world building up front and asking the essential questions and asking the questions that frankly have never been asked about the Board of Yacht Club before. What is the restaurant called? What is the secret handshake? How do members enter the club? Little things that like pieces of lore that, that you might take for granted, but just we feel really fortunate to have the opportunity to, to help define. So he had a ton of those and then he opted for upfront, uh, like a narrative sort of arc. And so after leaving that set of votes, we knew that Jenkins, due to unforeseen circumstances, had become convinced that the fate of the Yacht Club was in his hands and he goes to a, to a journalist to, to tell that story. And so that was all community voted. And then obviously within that, Neil was able to fill in a bunch of amazing stuff and really bring it to life. But he was like, let me get all of this out of the way up front. Let me, let's build the world together. Let's talk about the plot. And then I'm going to go off and, and write. And that, that's sort of where we are. Right, so moving on to business model, less fun than storytelling, but business model, how does Tally make money? One of the most interesting things in the world is how value accrues to both fungible and non-fungible token holders. How does that happen within the Tally ecosystem? Yeah. T today, Tally makes money. You could say sort of in like uh, fairly rudimentary ways. It's up until now, it's been primary sales and secondary sales of, of NFTs that we release. So up until now, that's the writer's room. In a couple months, that'll be books, podcasts, Azurian avatars, and more. And that portfolio will, will obviously continue to grow. And we think that there's always going to be a market for sort of NFT native bottoms up, like community generative content. We're super excited about that. And ultimately, NFTs are like an amazing place to be as a creator, because if you do right by, by your community, then you will have a lot of secondary volume and th that's, that's great for your business. And it's also great for your members. So yeah, it's an incredible relationship. I think as our business grows, the ways that we make money will grow areas like merchandise, events, brand partnerships, and really sort of opening up some of those other revenue streams are really exciting. Obviously you hit on tokens and that's, you know, frankly, we're sort of web three and decentralization maximalists. And we believe that that tokens are an incredible way to coordinate human behavior across the globe just and, and, and make sure that groups of people are aligned to, to build something special. And so we've been very open that for us, in order to do this at scale with our community, uh, a fungible token makes a ton of sense. And we're going to be releasing uh, a good bit more about that in the coming weeks and months. But for us, we ultimately do view that as like the next iteration of, of not just our business, but, but of sort of decentralized content as a whole. And our goal is to be contributors to that and sort of push the snowball down the hill but ultimately have it outgrow us in a really big way and, and it be something that multiple folks can come and, and contribute to and, and not just Tally Labs. And so we envision a community of, of token holders who all believe that the next generation of, of content and IP worlds will be like originated on the blockchain. 
and they're coming together to create that content, to build the software and do all these things that enable it. And all of that is sort of like underpinned by a native token. Um, and to us, that's, that's really exciting and, and ultimately like where we want to see it go, but also make sure that Tally Labs as a business is still continuing to operate alongside of it, make IP and, and work with the DAO in like really exciting way. How much do you think about the way that you're running the company and announcing it to the community as a story in itself, like a meta story on top of the whole thing? Do you think about it that way? Or is there like the storytelling piece within the company and then the story, the company itself runs like a normal company does? I feel like you like probably have bugged like some of our like phones or something because a hundred percent yes it's like one of the most important things to us the the story the the business decisions that tally labs makes the way those things come to market and even the stories that we tell as a company we sort of view all as like one big story it's always interesting to figure out like where when you talk as like a human Versus when you, when you like present as like a character, because they really are all like intermingled. And for us, uh, a lot of the business decisions that we make come to market via our characters making decisions and being put into positions where they have to do one thing for some reason or another thing because something else happened to them. And then based off of that story unfolding, the company has to like adapt. And so a great example that, that we haven't completely like brought forward to the community yet, but like we, we've talked enough about is, is it's well known that we are bringing a podcast to market later this year and that it is featuring a number of different NFT communities. Jenkins is going to be forced to make this journey, right? It's not going to be like, hey, we're Tally Labs. Like we want to license your characters to like tell a new story. It's like Jenkins is facing a dilemma. And because he is facing this dilemma, he needs to team up with, with this world of other avatars who can help him solve a problem. Has, have there been any decisions that you've made because they play into the story well, but that maybe you wouldn't have made if you were just a traditional business that wasn't thinking about the story? There's probably something. And, and I, I, I see Safa thinking, so I, I want to hear yeah. his answer for sure. But, but I will say that like business is still business. Like we still need to do the best we can for our community outside of the story. And so they, they sit together like hand in hand and good decisions can be good decisions. And then the story can be really fascinating around them. But, but Sapa, are there examples of it going in? I don't know. I, it's a good question. I think you, you make a great point. It's like, we generally think business first and then wrap the business in story as opposed to the other way around. And generally we found that we can still have like compelling storylines and narratives that way rather than story first and then potentially sacrificing like a business decision or like a strategic decision. So there may be a time where we have to pick. So far, I think they've been pretty synergistic, which is awesome. And my view on it is probably that it's a time horizon thing that like overall the, the benefit of keeping the story consistent might actually outweigh like the short term, you know, if you make a, yeah. a short term suboptimal decision, like the long term narrative is is such like an interesting feature that it overwhelms it. I mean, I think about this with the fun too, that there are some really interesting, great companies that I wouldn't want to write about them. I don't think like the story is particularly compelling or that it like adds much to the world, even if it's like a really good business, if it's just like a reskinning of something that exists and like going after a new market, like I don't care particularly much but i do wonder sometimes like if i'm giving up returns by caring too much about the story i end up i think you know coming back to that same idea where i can be more competitive and, and get into better deals and all of that i'm only doing interesting things i'm going to mm -hmm. actually i think go the other way and, and tighten that filter 
even more, but it is always something that I'm like in the back of my head. I'm, I'm curious about. Totally. And, and, you know, we're in the business of like fun, right? Like that's what content is all about. And it's actually like all types of content are about that. Obviously Packy, the stuff that you write is like really informative, really educational, but, but, and I'm curious what you think, but it feels like to me, it, it's above all else. It's entertaining and it's fun to read and it makes me feel good while I do it. And so for us, like doing, telling stories in that way and, and making decisions around what will be the best story is good for our business because whether it's with fiction written by Neil Strauss or our own vision for what this can be posted to medium, it should, it should be exciting. It should be fun to read. It should make you feel good. And like that, that's what we aim to do. Do you think about, about that next level up too? So if, if you're not just telling stories, but also telling, you know, building the company as a story, do you think that's the way that other businesses will be built? And like, can Tally support that in some way? How deep does this, this whole thing go? I would say without a doubt, the writer's room will evolve to be a place where the community works together to create compelling content. The definition of content is as broad as possible. It can be a story. It can be a character. It could be a business. It could be a brand campaign. Like all of those things are possible. The only things that have to be true is that a creator has to believe that they can do better with their community than with are certain stories that, that lend themselves better to doing it as a community as opposed to an individual and others that lend themselves better to just being an individual. How do people think through that? I think it's less, are there like differentiation between types of stories and more so I think like various points in the process. I think it's important to have community generative stuff versus otherwise. I think like writing is one of the oldest like forms of storytelling and is incredibly subjective. And, and weaving stuff together and having an amazing vocabulary and like doing the, all the things that like writers, good pace, like the things that good writers do is really hard to crowdsource. Ideas and structure and arcs and like really sort of things that are like where perspective really matters, I think is where we think like the magic is because we have thousands of people all with different perspectives, like contributing ideas. And it's early, but I think we found a way to distill them down in a really fun way. That's where the community and the community generative stuff really comes in is like, we're able to get ideas and narratives and perspectives that like, you just don't get in like a room with a couple people. You know? And I'll just add one thing is that we're learning all of this stuff as we go, right? We, we have learned, it's like, it's like a dream for building products too, because we like dog fooded every step of the way. So we had all these ideas that we thought were really good for the first version of the writer's room that are being completely revamped for, for, for our podcast. What, what does the world look like in a decade if we're successful? Like, I think it looks like way more projects coming to market with the community involved from inception than not. And the way you get there is by finding the hundreds of different ways that different creators would like to involve their community and like building them all. And right now we, we just build for ourselves. It's going to be different for a podcast than it will for a book. It'll be different for, for Azurbala a PFP project turned cinematic universe than it will be for a podcast or a book. But, but ultimately I would love to know like what not boring looks like, you know, involving the community from the beginning of something till, till the end and, and what it looks like for, I don't know, some mega web two brand that like legitimately believes in the space. And all of those things will add up to like more and more and more use cases that we can support with the ultimate aim being like to have the community have like a real voice. I'm like now obsessed with this idea of, of even thinking on like the company building level, like where you talk about it not boring, but like other 
like real companies that aren't just sitting sitting in a computer <laughs> and writing a newsletter every day like this the the types of kind of nuance Safa that you explain there when you talk about certain pieces of the process work better as a community and certain pieces work better with like that person with the skill set and the singular vision it sounds like how people should be thinking about just running DAOs generally. And so like, I, I do yeah. wonder if this provides a really interesting framework for how DAOs should work. And because it's like, you know, the next big thing will start out looking like a toy because it's delivered as like a storytelling device, people aren't going to get like as upset when it's like when certain parts aren't fully decentralized and whatever. And so you can say like, actually, look, we've, we've speed run like hundreds of ways of doing this. And the best is when you let the writers write and the community give ideas and like X, Y, and Z other things happen. Yeah. The other thing that, that I think really amazed us that we didn't even really account for was that there's like an explicit and an implicit impacting of the story. And the explicit impacting of the story is they vote on the plot. The implicit is that we gave everyone who licensed characters the opportunity to write backstories for their characters. 60 plus percent people did that, which was insane from an, from an engagement perspective. And, and Neil was able to take those backstories read them, take them in and piece things together about the world that we would have never thought of to even put in a vote and then use that in the story. And so that was also really awesome is that people spent a ton of time fleshing out their characters and, and leaving tidbits and anecdotes. And now those are now like in the book, you know, this is going to sound super vague and I apologize, but we haven't released the book yet. There is like this, this, this critical scene in one of the last chapters that only exists because of something that one of the NFT holders wrote about their character. And like, that's fascinating. And those, those are littered obviously throughout the book, but like we were reading this scene and I was like, wow, you know, this person impacted the book. Where can people get it? You mentioned earlier, physical copy, definitely delivered as NFTs. What does the whole rollout look like? And, and how do people who are into web three and not into web three get their hands on reading this new Neil Strauss book? It's coming to market as an NFT at first, which is another sort of strategic decision on our end. And, and frankly, it's just where our audience is right now. Our agents at CAA, we've worked pretty closely with them to understand sort of like metrics and, and performance goals that traditional books have, that if we can beat in an NFT sale, gives them like a really interesting sort of angle to then go to traditional publishers and then hopefully have the book in physical form exist in, in all of the places that people get their books. So that's, that's really important for us. The interesting thing about the rollout is that it's not just a book because there's a burn stake component. And so if you burn the book, you can get a PFP in our new collection. And if you stake a book, you can get uh, tokens in the DAO. And so there's a whole bunch of information on both of those sides that needs to be delivered to, to people prior to having them make like a purchase. And that is probably more important and more time consuming than like finishing the book itself and, and really making sure that people are armed with like everything that, that they need to make that. And so that's sort of like what we're staring at between now and the, and the date. We've told the community that Q2 is our goal and our plan. And so that would be sort of like end of June. And if that slips, like we're going to be really transparent and let people know. But you only get one chance to roll this out. And, and there's a lot of messaging that needs to happen. And we want to make sure that it's like cohesive. And so we're excited. We're excited for the challenge for sure. Now I want to burn all of my books or something else when I finish reading them, like all, all everything on my Kindle that just sits there now that I've, that I've read it, I want to get something else for it. This is a whole other thing. Maybe you'll invite us back, but we are, we're building our own custom web three e-reader to go along with the book because every character is an NFT. And so when you hover over a character name or you select one in an illustration, there's all this additional information we can sort of share 
that that wouldn't be available on something like a Kindle. NFTs like are it's not a JPEG. The 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 JPEG is one component of a whole bunch of things that exist like on a token that lives on the blockchain. We imagine a future where people are engaging with their books in a really different way because of what you can do when something is tokenized. And so that that's something that I think we're really excited about. And, and what does it look like to burn a book and then show back up at the reader, no longer holding the thing, but we knew that you had it and then you burned it. Like, can we do some fun little gamified thing for you there? Like, th- so there's a whole bunch of stuff that we're really excited about. I mean, like, again, I'm going to go back to this GPT-3 thing because I, I just like, I, th- I think if you fast forward five years, feel like our minds are going to be blown. But like, in this case, what if I show up to a book I have all the stuff that's in my wallet and it shows what I care about and what I've done on Web3 and all that. And then GPT-3 just, or GPT-19 or whatever at this point, just rewrites the book to mm-hmm. kind of like suit my preferences. I don't know, but it just feels like this is all going to get very wild at some point here. You just blew my mind with that. But you're right. Those types of personalized experiences, I think we're in like, it's not even like the first inning, right? It's like warm ups right now. It's still so early. So speaking of it's still so early, our NFT is dead. I mean, we'll, we'll end the conversation on this, but like, I get why this idea was cool like a few months ago. Like, are, are NFTs dead or where's this all going? How are you saying bullish and, and all that? I don't think they're dead. I think it's obviously it's like a really common thing that people are saying right now. And surely like OpenSea volume is lower than it's been the past couple months. But it feels like crypto in general just sort of moves in, in these cycles. And like every time it goes down, you know, you lose a lot of the people that, that weren't really there for the right reasons. And, it, and, and when you're at the bottom, you gather a bunch of people who get really excited and, and then the way up is even stronger. And so we think that that's the case. We also think that what we're building and what we're selling and what we're sharing with people, like blockchain is sort of just a medium, but it's content and it's experiences. And that transcends like any sort of, in our opinion, like market ups and downs. So I don't think people, you know, even say NFTs were dead, which they're not, like people aren't going to stop reading books. There's all of these things that I like to think we we tap into. And so we're excited. and 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 looking forward to to the challenge but you know we'll obviously we'll see where the market is and and we will either stick to our guns or make a strategic pivot but that's that's the mindset that's like that we've had up until now i think for sure i mean i was being facetious i, I think that cycle thing <laughs> is is so is so funny too for the past what year people have been like this is all gonna crash like the next cycle the next wave of the cycle is coming blah, blah, blah. and then it happens and everyone's like oh shit, all right this is this is dead like the things that we believed four weeks ago we like fully just do not believe anymore is is wild to me. There's no better position to be in than going into this with a fresh $12 million in the bank and great, great partners on your side and a strong community. Yeah. Strong community is the most important thing. I think like when, when prices are down, is there a community that you can like go into, can you pop into the discord and feel like home, feel like family? That's the stuff that really lasts. And, and regardless of, of price movement our every day, our discord is like a bunch of just incredible people who love, love each other and are like building together. And so I think that is, and will always be one of our biggest moats is like the, the amazing community that we've been fortunate enough to, to, to build around and work with. Awesome. Well, Safa, Vijay, this has been so much fun. I'm excited to, to get to help tell the story uh, alongside the community and, and contribute and, and just to, to get to back the two of you. So Good luck. I cannot wait to read this book. If you can get me a manuscript, I'll read it early. If not, then I will wait and buy the NFT alongside everybody else. But just so thrilled to, to be partnering and, and congratulations. Taki, thank you so much. We are too. It's uh, like it's an honor to, to call you one of our partners.